Welcome to the Kara's Cures digital show and podcast where we explore the cutting edge of wellness. I'm Kara Sundland, and this episode is sponsored by the Center for Advanced Reproductive Services. We thank them for that. So have you ever considered holding your child back a grade? Or nowadays it's called reclassing. Some parents make the choice to do it for sports or for academics, sometimes social reasons. It's becoming more common, but here now to talk more about this is Dr. Laura Saunders, who is a child psychologist at the Institute of Living, so we can know the true impact of this decision. Welcome, doctor. Thank you for having me, Kara. It's something that people call all the time, that reclassing, redshirting, even more common for boys, especially those with the burr babies. So September, October, November, December, and people wondering, should I be doing this? Should I be trying to reclass my kids? Um, what's one thing we need to consider? So it's hard for me to actually narrow it down to one thing. So we're going to start with really looking at a developmental approach, right? So in early on in elementary school, it would probably be, it's considered retention. So someone's being retained in a grade, doing over a grade, being held back. Um, and years ago, 20, 30 years ago, it was a more common practice um, because they didn't really consider the the social and emotional impact of holding someone back, which actually was is fairly significant. Mm. Now, there, the reasons that it's done early on in elementary school really is because of acad usually academic issues or serious social and emotional issues. Um, so that's that's one thing. Um, and I'm not saying it doesn't have a fallout, but it, so there just really needs to be a very good reason um, that it's done. I don't necessarily want to go too much off on a diatribe, but I am a firm believer, and Connecticut does not have this, in a statutory birthday cutoff. Because there's a lot of research that shows those young kids, those September, really more, September, October, November, December babies. So when they start kindergarten, they're four years old. When they start first grade, they're five years old that developmentally they're just not as strong as their peers that were born in January, February, and March. Now it's, it's, you know, in a statutory cutoff, that means any, like, so I grew up in New Jersey, right? New Jersey has a statutory cutoff of October 1st. So anyone not born by October, they're not five years old by October 1st does not start kindergarten. So you are with your same age peers, that group that was born at the end of the year before are all with you. So developmentally there's much more, cohesiveness in in how they develop. Connecticut doesn't have that. So there's a lot more variability, especially in elementary school, because I've talked to many elementary school teachers about this, a lot more variability because sometimes they have very young and very mature kids. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I remember when I was making the decision with my own son, who was September 1st, and they said, well, you can look at the class and see how many people were held or how many people weren't and make your decision. But that can change over the years. And there were definitely he's in school or has been in school in middle school with lots of boys, especially who are a full year older, even though he's not even considered that young. So you would say for the state of Connecticut, it would be somewhat important to maybe have a real cutoff date. So we don't have all this variability of children be a year older than their classmates. Yeah, I mean, the Early Childhood uh, Council has, has debated this several times. In Connecticut, it's never passed um, due to more kind of economic issues, which I think, I mean, other states do it and they manage those issues. Um, so it is a manageable uh, 
it's, it's a manageable thing. Um, but that, so, but I do think it actually would help with a lot of the great variability in social and emotional development that elementary school teachers in particular have to deal with. But when we talk about reclassing, right, that's going usually at a transition point, like into middle school, more middle school into high school. Um, and even a slightly different phenomenon is people that take what's called like a fifth year. Mm. So like a fifth year of high school, they, and that often is, um, that can be for academics, but very often it's for um, athletics that they take that fifth year. So let's talk about that. If we're talking about reclassing, we're in that transition year from maybe middle school or high school or doing the fifth year in high school. Um, if you do decide to reclass, what is the impact on the child? Because I think so many parents are thinking, oh, it's a benefit. It's always a benefit to be older or taller or bigger or have more time. So it actually is not always a benefit to be older or taller. Because then, you know, if for some reason you, because everyone hits their growth spurt at different times. So now you have someone that's kind of a year older and now suddenly hits a growth spurt. So, so now that individual, that boy, let's just say, is a foot taller than everyone else in his grade. That does lead to a lot of self-consciousness around a lot of those differences. Um, I just think it really needs to be a very, very thoughtful decision. And to some degree, you know, while we would like to believe as adults and as parents, we just make decisions and, and our children adjust to it. But this is a decision where the child really needs to buy into it because they, unless you're changing school districts, unless you're changing school systems, um, unless you're going from public to private or, or vice versa, you know, their same age peers are now going to go on to have those developmental milestones without them. And if you're doing it for athletic reasons to have them be bigger and stronger, there really needs to be a huge buy-in on the part of a teenager. And teenagers don't necessarily have huge buy-in about much of anything that they are going to continue in the sport. Because what if they change their mind in two years and decide they don't want to do lacrosse anymore? Or they, they've done lacrosse, but now they want to try wrestling. Um, and now they're in a higher, they're in a higher uh, weight class because they're bigger and stronger. Um, yeah. So it's a it's very it's a very serious thing to consider. I do worry about um, the feeling of social ostracism if now everyone's moving on without you. So that teenager really needs to have a strong buy in. And let's look at it. The reality is so many of these kids do not go on to be professional athletes. Such a tiny fraction of them do. And even from high school to be a college athlete is a huge time commitment and organizational commitment as well. Um, so these are hard decisions to make when you're talking about eighth grade. Um, and often those fifth years, they go to a totally separate school. They don't stay in that same school and do that fifth year. They do it in a separate school where everyone is doing that fifth year. Um, right. So type of program. Well, let's talk about that because I think a lot of the times when parents um, are reclassing, they are thinking of it like that, like we're going to do a fifth year. Um, we're going to go to a prep school after high school to give you some more time, uh, whether it be academics or even to do better, um, perhaps to get into college. Do you see that as a sometimes worthy 
endeavor? And, and does it matter more if your child, say, isn't getting great grades or isn't doing very well that maybe you should hold them back? Well, I mean, so again, it depends on where they are developmentally, right? So that fifth year, that gap year sometimes, that people take a gap year between, say, high school and college, right? My daughter's boyfriend's doing that. He's playing juniors hockey. He's taking that gap year. He's really focusing on a set of skills and really trying to build a set of skills to help him at the next level. So it's purposeful and planful, and everyone's on board with what, what is happening. So so it really needs to be a lot of active discussion about what's happening and how that's going to have an impact, a social and emotional mm -hmm. impact on that child. Because even in those fifth year situations, all the people that you graduated with are now moving on to college and you're not. And how does that make you feel? And mm -hmm. how does that impact you? Because um, now you might feel more left out, even when there is buy-in. So <clears throat> I'm not saying not to do it in some of these situations. I'm just saying it needs to be a very active discussion about what the pros and what the cons are with some foresight into how it could have kind of an emotional impact down the line. Yeah, and if you're doing it in eighth grade, and the same thing, right? If a lot of, especially here with the boys, we're going to go, and since the pandemic, okay, they've lost a lot. Um, they're not where they should be. I'm going to maybe go take eighth grade at a private school and then uh, do something different. Um, in that case, I think a lot of parents are making the choice more so than the child because they're only 13 or 14. And you would say right. that there is an, there can be a negative psychological impact. We've learned that from research. Yes. And so and what you're describing there, so that's also a socioeconomic issue, right? So if you're pulling your child out in eighth grade and putting them, say, into a private school situation to do a year of, of social, emotional, and physical growth, and then maybe either putting them into another private school situation or putting them back into the public school situation. Um, you know, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of time. That's a lot of energy. That's a lot of economic cost. Um, so there's a there's certainly a level of privilege to those decisions. Um, and I just think that needs to be acknowledged. Um, I'm not saying that I'm necessarily against it, but it really needs to be well thought out um, and what would what would the long-term benefit be for your child and it might be that there is benefit because you're concerned about your child's social emotional growth um they do seem to love this a particular sport and they do want to continue and they they want to feel like they can get ahead that's fine but i don't want to sort of uh give them a lot of false beliefs that doing this will mean you'll definitely be a pro lacrosse player or pro football player or pro baseball, whatever the, you know, whatever the sport might be, softball, volleyball, whatever the sport might be. Um, and just keep very realistic expectations. So, right. So even if it's academic reasons, you may not go get into a top college just because you added that extra year either. What would you advise from your background using the science of, all right, maybe there's a child with ADHD or maybe there's a child who's had significant learning gaps what would be an alternative to maybe let them go on, but gosh, we're acknowledging they need some extra support and we really want them to step it up if they're going to go to a good college or get the skills they need in high school. So, and this is, this is a great, you know, kind of secondary topic for us is really talk about um, accommodations for some of those kids that might have some learning difficulties that might have a significant attentional issue um, organizational issues, which often comes with um, an attentional issue. So 
there are accommodations that can be made to try to keep them on course. Um, but I do think that requires a lot of communication and coordination with the school. Um, almost always, the best thing a parent can do is be a strong advocate for their child, ask questions, be that squeaky wheel, because that's how you get more information or get more services for your child. Honestly, I work with so many different districts in the state of Connecticut, and every district is different in how they apply services and how they dole out services. Um, and But across the board, parents need to be strong advocates for their kids because that's the best way to get them the support that they need. I think there's also a popular view among parents that, oh, gosh, well, we better invest and this child needs extra help um, if they're really going to be all that they can be. And so let's go to the private school because they'll get smaller classes, more attention. Um, is that always a good move or sometimes you're going to get more support in a public school where it's guaranteed that you are supposed to get it and have to get it? Yes, but I, uh, I, well, yeah, I have, I have a lot of strong feelings on this, but I do think that, um, again, it's totally based on your town and your district because district, all districts handle things differently. I wish it was uniform, but the reality is, is that it's not, um, you know, if you can afford a private school, I do think the private school experience is going to get you smaller class size and more individualized attention. Um, private schools generally want to retain students and therefore are willing to work. I'm also a big proponent of the magnet school system because a lot of the magnet schools have very specialized curriculums um, and that can really kind of tailor better to a certain child's strengths or weaknesses. And I do think it's about making that early investment because if your child has failure experiences, academic failure experiences over and over and over again. And that could just be Johnny, sit down. Sally, stop talking to the person next to you. You know, you didn't turn your homework in on time. You're going to get, a, a, you know, a drop to grade because it's like, right. A lot of those negative um, uh, kind of experiences really pile up for some kids and it just turns them off to academics. Mm. And there's a boatload of research that says, you know, the more you go on in your education, the more it has lifelong economic impact, right? Mm -hmm. We know that a college education, and while people might say that's not worth it, you know, there's a lot of very, very value-driven public school educations out there um, and some private school, but we know that economically, you're going to make more money throughout your lifetime with a more advanced degree. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess what you're saying in if I could sum it up, is that we shouldn't just, a lot of people especially, let's acknowledge that they have choices if they have a certain income level. And and that seems to be where you're hearing all the time of, oh no, my son, I, I either I held them back in kindergarten and, and got a nanny for another year, or um, now, oh yeah, we're going to go send him to a private school, or we're going to do this, we're going to take him out. and da, da. So obviously, I acknowledge also the, the privilege you're talking about. But there is this idea that if you can do it, it's always going to be better. Um, and, and what you're saying is the research doesn't really support that. Well, I, it just has to be done for the right yeah. reasons. And that you really, and that I, I do think consulting with someone, as I said, you can consult with some of the school support personnel. They cannot make a specific recommendation to you unless it's like an early elementary school retention issue when your child is very seriously delayed, then they might make a recommendation for retention. But the reclassing 
that we're talking about or, or some of the modifications, um, they school support personnel cannot necessarily make a specific recommendation. So I just don't want to be in making across the board statement that it's always good. It should be done carefully and thoughtfully with the child's best interests, really looking at what their deficits are and what they could gain from this. Well, and if they're really against it, you would say you need to take that into into account because some of the research has shown that kids have some lifelong kind of psychological impacts when they really didn't want to be held back. Right. I mean, if you like if you talk to kids um, who I mean, Scott mentioned it this morning on Great Day. If you talk to kids who 20, 30 years ago were held back in in elementary school, that has a, a serious impact on them. I'm not saying they don't get over it, but they certainly remember it. And early on, it could be really difficult for them. So if you're retaining someone or reclassing them, say, in eighth grade or in in one of the high school years, it really needs to be a thoughtful process um, and really needs to be done in such a way that your child is kind of bought into the process. All right, so I'll ask you one more thing. If you are considering um, going off to a private school where it seems like those kids are always a lot older, maybe because they're coming from all over, um, or you know, some college, you mentioned states like New Jersey and all, they're not sending kids to college when they're still 17 because of the cutoffs. So if, if your child is going to go to perhaps, if you've decided we're going to go to that private school, do you send them along being younger than most of the kids because they were in public school? Or do you figure out a way to maybe they go off to that high school experience and then move them because you want them to be on the same grade level, the same age? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think I think you consider your economic circumstances. You consider your um, your your environment in terms of what's going on with your within your family system with your child socially emotionally physically and academically so there's several different factors to really consider um, before making that decision but it should be a pretty active and thoughtful decision making process and it's okay to get help with this i mean do you help families with this kind of thing and would parents seek out a professional and how do they do that I would absolutely seek out a professional if you don't feel like your school support personnel can help you. I've done this in the past with other families, um, made it more of an active discussion process. Um, and there are, you know, educational consultants and, and individuals like that can that can help with the process as well. OK, so don't just uh, don't just decide that whatever every other mom and every other family is doing. And so and so Johnny decided to reclass and look how great it was for him. Um, this is right. something that we want to have a real discussion with and get as much input as you can because it's a bigger decision than maybe some people are making it. And just because it was good for Johnny doesn't mean it's good for your child. That's always good in every topic, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Dr. Laura Saunders, thank you so much for your wisdom as always. Thank you, Kara. And thanks for being here for Kara's Cures, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness. Uh, feel free to watch this and share it with friends who might be considering reclassing. And uh, you can follow me on social media at Kara Sundlin, where I share this content there. Have a great day, everyone, and be well.